Hey, what's going on? Pastor Jay here with Portrait Church. Portrait Church exists to give people a renewed picture of Jesus and his church. And in this series, that is our goal. There's many pictures and different caricatures that the world presents that are honestly false images of who Jesus is. And we want to take this series and hear from Jesus himself and what he has to say about who he is. So we hope that this message series leaves you more impressed with Jesus and leaves you with a greater understanding of who he is. If you would like to know more about our church, you can find us online at portrait.church or look us up on social media or find us on Sundays over at the Mitten Building in Redlands. Hope to see you soon. And I hope you enjoyed this message. Um, There was a 1970s hit. Um, I'm going to see, I really pray that we are going to be an intergenerational church. So this is going to be the test right here. There was a 1970s uh, hit song that took the world by storm. It went something like this. I'm not going to sing. So don't, ain't y'all trying? uh, Some of y'all was like trying to hit record. Nah, nah, it's not not like that. You just going to have to envision it, right? 1970s hit. It went something like this. Oh, bet you're wondering how I knew about your plan to make me blue. Ah, see, we got somebody. With some other guy that you knew before, between the two of us guys, you knew I loved you more. Somebody's snapping. It took me by surprise, I must say, when I found out yesterday. Ooh, ooh, I heard it through the... Oh, yes, yes, see, thank God. I was a little nervous last night. Not much longer would you be mine. Ooh, ooh, I heard it through the... And I'm just about to lose my mind. Honey, honey. (laughs) Who is that by? Marvin Gaye. So yes, we got 1970s hit. Heard it through the grapevine. Took it by storm. And that phrase was famous for me growing up in the African-American vernacular, um, where it was a nice way of saying that one heard information by means of gossip or even the rumor mill, right? So you would hear things like, man, I heard it through the grapevine that he, re- he ain't proposed yet. It's been like 12 years. What is he doing? Or, man, girl, I heard it through the grapevine. That wasn't even her real hair. It's like, you know, in my great-grandmother's house, they had similar conversations like this. And, and so this idea of hearing something through the grapevine was something that you didn't necessarily hear personally, but it was a rumor, something that you heard maybe from somebody else. And I think one of, I use this as sort of an illustration to, uh, to help us see that one of the most troubling issues that I believe people struggle with today potentially even Christians struggle with today, is that they have a heard it through the grapevine understanding of who God is. You've allowed external things or other people to form your understanding of God. You've only heard rumors. You've only heard things through the grapevine, but you actually haven't explored him for who he is. I think another troubling issue facing in our modern world today is we want God to be controllable. We wouldn't necessarily say it, but we actually want to be God. We want the authority that God has, the ability to decide what things are right and wrong. And so we want to be the dictators. We are not willing to potentially embrace weakness and let God dictate who he is and be in control, but we want control. 
Pastor and author John Mark Homer says, here's how you know you've created God in your own image. He agrees with you on everything. Oh yeah, I didn't feel that one. It's too early. He agrees with you on everything. He hates all the same people you hate. You can never get mad at him or you're not blown away or even potentially fearful because he's so marvelous. He's tame to you. He's controllable. A.W. Tozer says that we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. So what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The most important thing about us. That is why important questions like who is God and what is he like are two of the most profound questions that you can ask yourself continuously as you move throughout life. Because those two questions right there will shape you. They will begin to shape how you operate. They will begin, if you think God, and if you see God as like this landlord and dictator, well, that's how you're going to treat everybody else. If you see God as this, this, um, this figure who is sitting there with a scorecard, waiting at the end of the day to show up a, a seven or nine or, hey, it was a 9.8 today. You were close, but I'm the only perfect one. He's not doing that. You'll then cause everybody else to go ahead and perform their morality in front of you. You see, the picture that you have of God, understanding who he is and what he is like, will absolutely transform your life. It shapes the way you treat people. It shapes the way that you engage life. And here's the thing. Everybody has a picture of God. Everybody. I love this quote from Henry Rossi. He says, God created man in his image, and then man, being the gentleman, has returned the favor. Has returned the favor, meaning that we often fall into the trap because we either want to control God or he's so far off that we don't actually spend time with him. We just hear it through the grapevine. And now we create these other pictures of who God is instead of the one that we see in scripture. And so if you want to get the right picture, if you want to get a renewed picture, you have to go to the source. We don't need a hear it through the grapevine moment we need to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, as the other saying goes. And God, I hope you're not offended. I just called you a horse. <laughs> a stallion. I don't know. Just the best horse ever. <laughs> but we got to hear it directly from him. And so as we step into this time, my prayer is that I would tell you the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God because we live in a world that is trying to create caricatures out of who God is, and it's causing so much tension, it's causing so much anxiety, and it's causing so much evil and hate in the world. So Father, we stop in this moment because I'm not gonna sit here and act like I have figured you out. But God, you better believe that we are here pressing in because we don't wanna have a hear it through the grapevine understanding of you. God, show us yourself today. We want to see you for who you say you are. So God, would we tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, powered by you and your spirit to renew our hearts this morning. Some people in here, God, need a different picture of you, and you are the only one that can provide that for them. 
And so God, use this church, use me this morning to be conduits, to be uh, messengers of this truth of who you are. And would we leave away more impressed with you than anything else this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. This term God has become very uh, ambiguous in our culture. I think one of the best things that I love about the Inland Empire is it is extremely diverse. We're, there is so many different cultures, so many different ethnicities, so many different walks of life, but this term God has different meanings to different people in different cultures. You see, in the beginning, God, that word God means Elohim. And Old Testament was written in what we, what we know as Hebrew. And in that context, Hebrew, this word God, Elohim, was not a specific name, but it was more like a title, right? And so to give you, to give you a little bit of an understanding, I'm going to let you in because it's been a, it's been a while. Um, and I feel like, you know, we're becoming a, a community that knows each other. So I'm going to be honest, my, my, my real name is not Jay, okay? Someone said, ooh, not, it's not, I ain't hiding anything. But here's the thing. So my real name, my biological name is actually Fallis. No, I did not just cuss at you, okay? <laughs> Fallis, it means strong warrior. I can't even say that straight. It doesn't mean that. I don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't know. I just, just want to make it up. I wanted to make it better than it actually was. But so, so I go by the name Fallis, Jeffrey Stovall, and Junior. So if you, it, what's crazy is if you were to say, hey, Fallis, me and my dad would actually turn around because there's more, like, there's more than one in the world. Yes, I know. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, Fallis Stovall, there's actually, it's crazy, I, I looked it up. There's actually around 50 of us in the United States. 50, right? I said the same thing. I was like, there's more. <laughs> there's more. And so, if you were trying to, to tell people about me, you couldn't necessarily just say Fala Stovall because it, it could apply to 50 other people. And even in this room, it could apply to either my dad or, or myself. So how you get further into clarifying who someone is, is that you understand their story. You understand who they are and the things that they've done. So then you would say, oh, you know, Fallis, uh, Jeffrey, uh, who grew up in Moreno Valley, who went to school to play basketball at Cal Baptist University, who is married to Tiffany, who has X amount, four kids, you know what I mean? Like, that's how you would then begin to understand and describe, oh, we're talking about that Fallis, right? So here in the beginning of scripture, we need to begin to apply the same level of understanding of how we get to know people to how we get to know God. Because sometimes this word God, this very ambiguous term that is often used and identified by several other cultures and religions who claim that their God also created the world. We got to understand, well, which God are you talking about? Who are you referring to? Because that is why it is so important for us to lean past this generic term of deity, this, this creator and say, no, no, no. Who is this God and what is he actually like? And so I'm going to give you some context before we get into our main text that this Elohim, this God, he created the heavens and the earth. 
He created everything. He said it was good. If you were here for our vision series, you heard me talk about this. Everything he said it was good. Creates humanity made in his image and likeness. They are good. Humanity decides, you know what? I don't really trust you fully, God, so I'm going to do life my way. They sin. It enters the world, destroys this perfect unity that humanity had with God. Then God would send, uh, uh, he, he would start a rescue mission. And then he would work through different people's lives. And he would, he would have this conversation with this guy named Abraham. And he said, Abraham, look, man, I'm going to make a great nation from your family line. Y'all going to be my people. And so then everything is fine. And all of a sudden, God's people starts to grow and multiply. And there's a new regime in Egypt. And Pharaoh doesn't like that God's people are growing. They're multiplying. And so he starts persecuting them. And then they start growing and multiplying even more, which should remind us as Christians that often the church grew through persecution, not the absence of it. Church don't grow just in comfort. The church grew in the beginning then from God's covenant promise. And then you see in the book of Acts, the church grew during times of persecution. That's a sidebar. That's like a, we could take that and put that somewhere. So we have this birth of this, Hebrew boy named Moses. And Moses, during this time, was being bored. Pharaoh had issued these decrees that said, hey, telling the midwives, if any Hebrew boy is born, they are to be killed. And y'all, see, we don't, we don't be giving women a lot of credit in the Bible because these midwives, they said, oh, oh, that true Pharaoh. Well, guess what? We ain't going to do that. Us Hebrew midwives, we ain't like y'all Egyptian midwives. These babies are going to be born if they're on our watch. These women helped the church multiply and grow. Again, another sidebar for another day. And so then we have this boy Moses born. And now Pharaoh's even more upset. So every young boy that they see, they are to kill. So, and, and, and he actually makes this uh, decree to, to put all the babies into the river to die. But Pharaoh's mom, she makes a basket or not Pharaoh, uh, Moses' mom makes a basket, puts him in it, pushes him down. Pharaoh's daughter, y'all, this is like a scene from like keeping up with the Kardashians. Like Pharaoh's daughter of all people grabs Moses. And all of a sudden the story in his life changes. And now Moses, he's like the fresh prince of Egypt. Like he is now, he's got like this new home and my, my man is living large with the ruler. And then all of a sudden, one day, Moses is older, he's out walking and he sees another Hebrew like him getting beaten by the Egyptians. And Moses doesn't like this. Something wells up inside of him so much so that he ends up killing this man. And then he tries to bury him in the first 38, they catch Mo, they, they know <laughs> Moses did it. So Moses has to flee. And so here we are going to pick up at this moment in our text, Exodus 3, Exodus 3. You can go there with me. Exodus 3, starting in verse 1. So we pick up here and Moses, he is in, uh, he's tending to his father-in-law's flock. And it says there in verse two, 
There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of the fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So if you look in your Bibles, this word Lord that is in all caps, what this is doing now is we are getting more personal about who this God is. We are getting more personal because in this text and in this context, the word Lord means Yahweh. Oh, we, we're getting, it's not just, it's not God. Now we got, a, we got another more specific name for him. He is Yahweh. And the reason why they have it in caps is because they're trying to make sure that you understand that there is this distinction of this God that we are talking about. And so Moses comes up to this bush and he sees that the bush is burning, but it's not consumed. So it's burning and it's not burnt, right? It, it doesn't make any sense, but that's just, that's what God does. And so now he's there and it says, Moses thought, I will go over there and see, obviously it's like, fam, what is going on right there with that? I'll, let me go check it out. Let me, so I will go over there and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So now we're getting more details about this God. He says, listen, I am the God. I am the Elohim of Abraham. I am the God Elohim of Isaac and the God of Jacob. So we're getting more clarity about who this God is. Now we know his personal name, Yahweh. And now he's saying, no, no, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Jacob. Now he's given us some deeper context to know specifically who he is. And then he says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So, so what he's getting at here and what we can understand about the character of this specific God is that he cares about his people so much that he's concerned. It's telling you more about these character traits of this specific God. So concerned that now he's coming down to speak to Moses because he's, he has, he loves his people so much. He's, he wants to make sure that this rescue happens. And he wants to bring them into this land flowing with milk and honey. And now in verse nine, it says, and now the cry of the Israelites have reached me. He's a God who hears and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. He's a God who cares about those who are being oppressed. And then he says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites. Can you imagine? You're sitting here at this burning bush. You're hearing this like Yahweh now. You got more specifics of who this guy is. And he's talking about this grand plan to go rescue his people from this evil regime. And he's like, I bet Moses is probably like, man, this sounds good. Like, what you going to do? What you going to do? And he says, 
I'm sending you. I would have backed up like, me? Actually, that's exactly what Moses did. Listen, he's like, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? And do you know what I love about God? He, listen to what he says in verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Check this out. Moses gets these orders. He says, who am I, God? Who am I? And you know what God doesn't say? He doesn't actually answer his question. He doesn't answer his question. What does he do? He said, it doesn't matter who you are. All that matters is who I am. All that matters is who I am. Some of y'all need to feel that deep in your soul this morning. Because you are asking questions like, God, who am I to figure out this life that you have set for me? If you have kids, you probably had the same feeling that I have. God, who am I to raise up these kids to know you? God, who am I to be in this major or pursuing this career? Who am I? And God wants you to know this morning, it's not about you. It's about who he is. It's about who he is. Moses, I am calling you to do something miraculous and incredible, but I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at me. And then he goes on to say, and God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign. And then verse 13 says, Moses said to God, well, God, okay, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers, right? We're getting more specific now, has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? Oh, he's like, God, I, I need some more specifics here. What shall I say to them? What is your name? And then he says, then God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Y'all, what kind of boss move is that? I think in cultural times and all the kids that he'd be like, I'm him. I'm him. That's what they would say in the streets today, right? I don't know what street that is, but that's what they say out there. <laughs> but God, like, like this, wrap our minds around this for a minute. He says, who am I to, what am I to say? Who am I to say that you are? And he says, I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. Like, if I'm Moses, I'm like, hey, y'all, so um, I was talking to a guy, not going to believe his name, but I am is coming. Who, who's coming? I am. You, Moses? It's like that scene from Rush Hour, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Y'all know which one I'm talking about? You, me, Detective you. Anyways, anyways. Watch the TNT version. Edited. So... What God is saying here, and I think it's really important, we know now that this personal name, Yahweh, and now he's describing more about who he is. And he says, I am. The I is personal. He's getting personal. I, I am. And this idea of am, it's crazy because I am is everything about God is now. Everything about God is present. It's hard for us to understand that because we live so linear, but God lives outside of time and space. So he is always, always. 
He is, I am. And, and what's crazy is he says, I am that I am. And this is God getting to define who he is, not man defining who God is. He's like, hold on, don't get it twisted. I'm gonna tell you this, I am that I am. And, and what this is getting at is we need to understand that what he is saying is, I will be what I will be. I will be what I will be. Everything about God and what he's saying is, I am eternally the same. I am, I exist. I am who I will be. I will be this way 24-7. 24-7. I don't know about you, but me, I am certain ways sometimes. Like, I know some of y'all, um, if you've ever been in a, a like, had a, had a close friend and you're like, man, like me and this friend, we really hit it off. Great first couple of interactions. And then you spend like a day with them. You're like, you really ain't always that cool. You, you, you low-key always forget your wallet, huh? <laughs> Interesting, right? It's crazy, right? Like, <laughs> it's crazy how circumstantial I tend to be with my characteristics, if I'm honest. If I'm having a more rushed day, my wife will tell you, my kids will tell you, my patience level is not always great, it's not, I, I don't always exist in the same character, but God does. We need to understand this. I am eternally, he's the same all the time. He's not like me. He's not like you. You and I are sometimes, he is always. And so here's what we need to understand about this God. It's so often we depend on humans who sometimes are what they say they are instead of depending on Yahweh who is always what he says he is. Yahweh is not gonna catfish you. She's not. Y'all know those catfish stories. Got the profile set up, they talking to you. I don't know if you saw the, the untold documentary with Manti Teo, saddest story. Catfished believing in this person who said they were something and ended up being someone completely different. And the pain that it left his, it changed this man's life because he put his hopes in someone who said that they were something and they were not. But can I tell you, that's not the God that we serve. That's not the God that we serve. And so listen to, as we continue on in Exodus, Moses and God are gonna have more conversations. And in Exodus 33, he says to God, now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And then later in verse 18, Moses says again, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name. And now, as we continue, we, this is, we are gonna go, we are gonna come across the one and only place in scriptures where God in the Old Testament describes himself. This verse is the most quoted scripture by the Bible. So this is the most quoted scripture by other parts of the Bible, and it's here in Exodus 34. 
And it says, he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children from the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped Yahweh. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this stiff-necked people forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Notice that the way that Yahweh describes himself first is his character. He describes his character, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, faithful, rich in forgiveness. Is that the type of God you are communicating to people? Because here's what we need to know is all of these qualities about him, he is always that all the time. There is never a moment where God is not compassionate. There is never a moment where God is not slow to anger. There is never a moment where God is not gracious, where he's not abounding in love. When he is, there's never a moment where he is not rich in forgiveness. Never. But the problem is when we create God in our own image, we then communicate something different to people about him. We communicate actually that he's quick to anger, that, that he's not actually that gracious, that you got to earn his love, that it's not abounding. No, he says, I am that I am. And he's describing himself in this as compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and all these things. But he also says that he's a God of justice. He's a God of justice. From every, he, every generation, he's always gonna be just. And he's so different than us, because if I'm being honest, I see a lot of Christians who pursue justice as long as it fits with the political party. As long as it fits with my party, I'm gonna pursue this type of justice. But can I tell you, God is just always. All the time, perfect, good. He knows no other way. He is always good. So why are we not faithfully, constantly pushing people to see him? We got more pe people pushing people to, to follow a party than they are this God, this Yahweh, who has communicated clearly who he is, who has consistently always who he says he is. Oh, but you want people to follow people who make false promises every now and then. And never follow through. Okay, that's, that's what we want to push people to most. We're silly. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound harsh, but I care so much about this picture that, of this God that people are getting that we need to be honest and faithful to pursue this constantly. He is who he is 24-7. And then this brings us to Jesus. John 8. You don't have to put it up yet. I'll give you context. There's this dispute over who Jesus is and who he claims to be. And what's going on is Jesus makes this statement. He says, whoever obeys my word will never see death. And all of a sudden, all the, the Jews and some of these religious leaders are like, yo, what is this man talking about? What do you, he never see, we'll never see death. Who does he claim to be? They start calling him demon-possessed. They start saying, are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so all the prophets did. Who do you think you are? And I love Jesus. John 8, verse 58. 
Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Ooh, there it is. I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. The reason the religious people were so upset, what he's saying here, he's saying, I'm that guy. Oh yeah, the one that spoke to Moses on the mountain, that Yahweh, he's saying, I am. And they picked up stones to stone him because they said, how dare you say that you are God? How dare you? And we need to understand that Jesus is Yahweh in the flesh. He is Yahweh put on human flesh to live amongst us, to be consistently who he is 24-7 so that we may see a picture of who God is. And for this reason, this is why we are starting with a series called Renewed Jesus. All the way up until Christmas, we are going to be hearing from Jesus himself, Yahweh in the flesh, who he says that he is. Who he says that he is all the time and will continue to be. And our goal here is for you to see Jesus, be with this Jesus and do what he did to apprentice, what we call a disciple, a learner, to say, oh, I want to learn so much about what this God says he is like, what this Jesus says he is like. I'll end here with this uh, story. Uh, it's called the Last Supper. It's Jesus' final meal with his apprentices, his students, his disciples. And in this story... Jesus is telling his followers, one of you is going to betray me. And then all of a sudden, you could just feel the tension at this table. God has, Jesus has said so many things claiming that he was God. And then all of a sudden, one by one, the disciples, they begin to say, well, surely not me, Lord. The next one, surely not me, Lord. The next one, surely not me, Lord. I'm not going to be the one. I'm not going to be the one to betray you. Surely not me, Lord. Well, then it gets to Judas. Surely not me, Rabbi. There is a distinction between Lord and Rabbi, and Judas never made the transition. He never made the transition. And the problem is so many people see Jesus as this good moral teacher, this good rabbi like many of them did. But it is only if you see Jesus as Lord, if you see Jesus as God, that you will faithfully stay with him for the rest of your life. 